GoMobile.io. It's Gone Mobile. Welcome back to Gone Mobile. In this episode, we're joined by Tim Anglade and Christian DuPont from Realm. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. It's our pleasure to have you. And so, I mean, with the recent announcement of Realm Xamarin that you guys put out, you know, you've been getting a lot of attention in the Xamarin circles over the past couple of weeks. Like I've, I've actually been out of the country on vacation and even with the little amount of connection that I've had, I still see all the, you know, the chatter going back and forth. So we definitely wanted to have you guys on the show and, and kind of walk through all this. But I mean, before we get into the Xamarin specific stuff, like, why don't we just start with the basics? I mean, what, what is Realm? Yeah, I can take this. So um, uh, this is Tim for people who are trying to like follow the voice. Uh, we're uh, we've been around for a few years now. We launched publicly in July of 2014 as a mobile database. Uh, originally, we launched only for for iOS, you know, for Cocoa development on uh, Objective C and Swift. Uh, we added uh, Java Android support in September of that year, and we've been you know hacking away at it uh, since then. Eventually, uh, launching for React Native in February this year, and and, and .NET, um, you know, just a few weeks ago. Um, and it's been really, really good. Um, you know, we're now used by about a billion people and users uh, through apps uh, by, that are made by people like Twitter or Starbucks or SAP or uh, Budweiser or uh, Google, Amazon. Um, I always forget there's just a ton of people using us at this point. <laughs> and uh, we're really excited to finally kind of be out there for, for, for Xamarin. So people usually uh, use Realm to handle data in their app, you know, not just persistent storage. You know, people tend to use us as a general object framework at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, they use us everywhere you would use SQLite or everywhere you would use kind of some uh, object layer to map relationship, um, serialize data on and off, uh, do queries, uh, even if you only do, you know, stuff in memory. Uh, we tend to be a good replacement for any number of uh, uh, other solutions or patterns that, that people have been using to handle data in mobile apps. So I've seen a few other uh, data-related components and in, in libraries out there, and a lot of them build on top of SQLite. Is that something that Realm uses too, or what? what's your storage engine under the hood like? Right. So we actually do not use SQLite, and we also do not follow kind of a traditional ORM pattern. Um, we, we have our own um, storage layer underneath, um, and uh, it's a little bit more object-oriented, although there'll be a lot of disagreement within Realm as to whether we're really object-oriented or not. Uh, but it's close enough to that to, to kind of uh, let that um, kind of sink in as, as a concept. So we use our own uh, embedded storage that's actually column-oriented, for those of you that are interested, um, and uh, and give you full kind of row column access you know, to single cells, allows you to do full indexing of all fields, uh, you know, custom data structures, like if you want to build R trees or anything like that, you can do that on top of our, our storage engine. And uh, it's pretty, it's pretty nifty. Um, we didn't really use SQLite because you know SQLite is really, really nice, um, but it was kind of really designed for um, another era, for another type of use case, and it's been greatly successful on, on mobile, and it's embedded everywhere, and, and, and we hope one day to be as good and, and stable and, and uh, uh, you know widely used as SQLite. Uh, but by by building our own storage engine, we're able to make a lot more. Uh, let's say smart assumption as to uh, what the use case would be, uh, uh, what kind of hardware we'd be running on, and really optimize every part of the stack. So SQLite, you know, was designed originally to run on like missile destroyers for the Navy, and and that's great. And uh, but you know, phones are very different, and <laughs> they're very different than what they were when SQLite was designed. Uh, so you know, the memory available, the number of CPU caches that we have, uh, again, uh, the type of apps and query that they're going to need. The data set sizes are going to need to, to use with, uh, the, and you know, just a bunch of other concerns. So we've been able to really optimize, and in in most 
cases, although not all, we're able to beat SQL on performance. Um, we're also, more importantly, able to give you uh, much better ease of use. So if you know SQL and you're very comfortable with that, you know, we won't beat that. We won't try to convince you from uh, moving away from SQLite. If it works for you, you should keep using it. But um, if you're looking for something more flexible, more object-oriented, with a, a really good performance, um, you know, you might want to give Realm a look. Cool. And then, so conceptually, is this closer in, um, in style to say like a, a document database for anyone who might be familiar with that? Or is it um, kind of even different from that? Right. So, I mean, the short answer is that you don't really need to worry about what the database looks like uh, because all you're using is objects. So it looks pretty much like a regular, you know, C-sharp object. You can just add fields, you can set them, you can read them, you know, it's just very straightforward. And, 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 I would say 99% of our users never really need to worry about anything past that. Um, you know, it looks like what you would do if you just were uh, mapping your data to in-memory objects, you know, regular in-memory objects. Um, and so uh, if we want to actually answer your question and go underneath, um, as I said, it's kind of complicated. It's kind of a mix between a, a, a table-oriented database and an object database. So, um, you know, all you have is object. That's the only interface. There's no no kind of publicly available interface other than the objects that you're mapping in, in C sharp. Uh, but underneath, it's all stored in cells. You know, actual cells. So there's there's rows, there's columns, um, and and we can kind of really go deep into that in a way that a document store cannot. Uh, to to answer your question, so uh, we're able, for example, to have very nimble um, uh, space allocation because um, we can do uh, a lot of resizing on the fly of every column to just use as little disk space as possible. Uh, we're able to optimize everything for your CPU cache sizes so everything kind of hits just right and you can get the data you need uh, and, and nothing else. And then um, we're also um, able to uh, have very efficient mapping. You know, one thing that kind of breaks down with documents is uh, at what point do you keep nesting properties versus like split it off in another document that you kind of link manually? Right? Realm doesn't really have that because we just kind of use the equivalent of pointers, right, to link one Realm object to another. So it's super efficient, just, you know, an address really saying, now the rest of this, you know, the, for example, this dog has an owner and the owner is at this address. And please go to this address to see the actual owner object. So it's, it's much easier to play with, and um, as a developer, you know, a building application, it's also much more uh, memory and CPU efficient. So that's kind of the long answer. But short answer is, you really don't need to worry about it 99% of the time. And again, I know that's kind of scary for a lot of us developers, but that, that's a big part of Realm's design is, you know, we know like low level, uh, you know, optimization really, really well. And we try to expose a very simple and powerful interface so that you don't have to worry about low level SQL optimization, memory optimization, CPU cache optimization, cross-platform optimization, any of that stuff. Cool. And you touched on a few things that I, I definitely want to dig into. But before we do that, um, just to kind of finish out the, the last thought, um, and you mentioned in passing kind of being a, doing some optimizations on your side for um, its size on disk and memory usage and stuff. I mean, can you uh, potentially elaborate on that a little bit more of like what is kind of the overhead of, um, say, storage on, on disk for for like mobile apps that want to use Realm? Yeah, so it's usually, you know, uh, usually at the size or smaller than a SQLite database. So, you know, it really depends. Everybody has different set of fields and uh, different kind of tricks you can use with SQLite to compress things. There's a lot of stuff that, you know, we built out years ago, but I haven't really kind of exposed to the end user. Like, um, we expose the ability to to write a copy of um, a Realm file that's actually going to be like somewhat compressed, but we don't really highlight that too, too much. Uh, but we used to have a lot more tooling available to 
optimized your data automatically based on like type of requests that you had done to it. So short version is there's a lot of stuff that we can do. Um, some of it is public. Some of it is, is kind of abandoned code that we need to resurrect now that we've, we've passed 1.0. Um, and uh, uh, the very basic optimization we do is to line up everything for caches. And that's kind of like the, 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 the big... Um, I guess utility knives that we use quite a lot in optimizing Realm's performance is that we make sure that every kind of every time you're kind of fetching uh, a record, um, every time you're doing a query, that this will line up exactly with your CPU caches so that you, you won't have a cache miss um, and you'll be able most of the time, you know, let's say for example, you're running through a query and you're trying to see like if the next row fits or the next row fits or the next row fits, that you know the the, the data will be pre-cached, you know, uh, along uh, with uh, with the previous field. So this helps us quite a bit, and we use kind of that um, that kind of memory advantage and that cache advantage, and then we kind of multiply it by making sure that everything all the way up is zero copy. So you know your object that you're seeing in Realm. Um, they're just really mapped directly to the file uh, in most cases, and, and they're able to, um, you know, give you that data without having to copy stuff in and out like you would with an ORM. So when you're using an ORM, you know, you, you, you do your query, you send the request down to SQLite, um, there's a copy of the data floating around there, and then you get, make a fresh copy of it into your ORM. And there's obviously like some um, consistency management issues with that, um, even if you're kind of in a single-thread scenario. But um, there's just a, a memory usage problem right there, um, and that you tend to hit very, very quickly. Um, so Realm avoids that, you know, in, in kind of you're really giving you objects that are just memory mapped all the way through. Um, so that memory efficiency that we have at a very low level, at a disk level, you also get it because you know whenever we do use memory in in C sharp or whatever language level you're using, it's uh, it's it's you know highly efficient as well. Um, so that's kind of some of the stuff we do at a high level. It's always hard to explain. It's kind of the stuff that, you know, you need to uh, sit down with the CEO and then he has this whiteboard talk that he, he gives for like about four hours that runs you through like everything <laughs> that we do about performance. And that leaves you kind of, uh, you know, uh, dazed and confused and <laughs> just kind of trying to unpack all of it. But, but that's some of the stuff we do at a performance level that helps us, um, you know, have a speed advantage over, over SQLite or over um, kind of ORM platforms. So it sounds like you guys are doing quite a bit of opt optimization on a platform-specific level. Um, you mentioned iOS, and I think it's pretty obvious that you're on Android now, too. But are there any other platforms that you support or are looking at supporting? Sure, yeah. So we support right now. It's more like by language, um, although that gets tricky really fast. But but primarily your products are, um, you know, we have Realm for Objective-C, Realm uh, Swift. We have Realm Java that works only in Android. Um, we have a Realm uh, for React Native, so that's the JavaScript support, but it only works within um, JavaScript core, so it, it only works within uh, React Native, like platform that depend on V8 or, or other alternatives like uh, like Electron or uh, PhoneGap. You know, we don't we don't support them yet, although we're interested. And then we have Realm Xamarin, which only works you know within Xamarin, but um, we we could probably support other stuff like uh, like UWP and support um, you know uh, Unity or other kind of uh, .NET environments fairly easily. But we we choose to focus on mobile platforms first and foremost. We're not really interested in doing a mobile database in general. Uh, sorry, a database in general. We really want to be a, a mobile specific database because that allows us to make a lot of really smart assumptions about again your hardware, your use cases. Uh, your data sets um, and, and deliver a product that that we think you know was really missing from the market. 
Do you think that um, the Xamarin crowd will push you a little bit more forward in that space? I mean, a lot of our users are, are now porting their applications to like Xamarin Mac, um, and as you mentioned, UWP. Um, so it's, it's interesting to know that we, we do support Mac, you know, Mac development with Objective-C and Swift, because, yeah, there was a lot of pressure as soon as we launched for like, hey, it's, it's fine and dandy, but, you know, I also kind of, uh, I don't reuse code, but I also ship application for these other platforms I'm very interested. And so we're not against it per se. We just kind of don't want to detract attention from what we're trying to do. Um, you know, eventually I do think we'll support not just, you know, general.net and UWP and, you know, uh, uh, Node.js and whatever other kind of languages we can support. Uh, but we'll probably look at, you know, uh, server-side only languages or you know, mostly uh, server-side kind of languages like Ruby or Python. I don't really have a play in mobile just yet. Um, and, and we'll try to maybe support more. But... It's kind of you have to start somewhere, and we chose to have this focus on mobile in particular, and and uh, and we're focusing on that at the moment. Also, all the other platforms that I mentioned and you mentioned are, are definitely going to come at some point. And just backing up uh, to Android support for a second, is there a minimum required version of Android that you guys support? Um, yeah, it's really really old. Let me look it up in the docs actually, but I, I, nothing that we ever hit as a problem. We're usually more limited in, in kind of iOS support. People always want to go back further than we're, we're comfortable going, but um, you know, it's uh, on, on Java. I, I can't remember any time um, we've had an issue about what we supported. So pretty pretty far back then. <laughs> yeah, I have it now. So we need Android uh, API level nine. So that's Android two point three oh. gingerbread. So yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that um, you're pressured more often to go further back on iOS than you're comfortable with. Usually it's kind of the other way around. I, so how far back are you comfortable with on iOS? So on iOS, it's a bit different. So again, I'm, I'm speaking about native interfaces on Xamarin. Uh, I'm not quite sure. Maybe maybe Christian, you know off the top of your head what, what we allow from, from Xamarin. But on iOS, to answer the question... Uh, what what seems to be happening is that there's uh, large markets in Southeast Asia that use kind of very old iPhones that haven't really upgraded. And uh, in particular, we've seen a lot of requests for iOS 7 support, um, particularly via Swift. So there's this weird intersection where Southeast Asia in particular, or, or East Asia in general, is, is very aggressively adopting new technologies like Swift, but has to serve large user base in like Thailand and, and other countries that, that don't really have phones past iOS 7, um, and where the cost of buying a new iPhone is just prohibitive. Um, and so I think, of course, it's taking care of itself over time, uh, but you know, it, there was a rough year um, you know, uh, that just ended where we had a ton of support, ton of questions uh, on support coming in, asking for Swift support on iOS 7, um, specifically for those markets. So it's kind of like, you know, the people that complain about app size on Android. Um, it's, it's very easy for us. You know, we're here like in, you know, in the U.S. or Europe and we're like, hey, I just got an iPhone, you know, success or whatever. And I have 128 gigabytes of, of memory and, and you don't really think about the rest of the world. But when you're building, you know, uh, like mobile platforms like, like we are and like you guys are, it's really tricky because, you know, you have millions of literally like millions of users, hundreds of millions of users in countries um, that, you know, only have like 16 megabytes <laughs> on, on their phone or, or have this old, quote-unquote, like iOS 7 phone. Um, and and you, you really have to think of everybody. You can't just think of like, you know, Pinterest down the street or, or whoever else is doing collapse in your neck of the woods. So you mentioned in, in passing there that... Um you know, the, the distinction between, say, the Objective-C and Swift side of iOS and Mac development and the Xamarin side of things, which um, which leads me to believe that you guys aren't just doing a binding to 
Like, so your Xamarin offering is not a binding to the underlying, to your all existing Android and iOS SDKs? Is it a totally separate implementation? Not, not quite. So it's, it gets hard, but at a high level, and, and Christian will do this the detail a lot more justice than I can, but uh, basically there's, there's kind of multiple levels to Realm. There's uh, the underlying storage. Um, we have an object store built on top of that, and it's all C++ and assembly and a bunch of, of uh, crazy code. And then on top of that, we have those open source projects you see on GitHub that are about bringing support to each uh, programming language, usually, and, and to each particular VM. So uh, we have a Realm uh, JavaScript project that kind of owes the code for React Native and potentially you know, more, more JavaScript VMs. Uh, we have a .NET project that has support for Xamarin. Um, and exactly how that relates across platform gets really, really tricky, as you can imagine. And, and we've had to do that a couple of times. Our React Native, of course, allows you to target both iOS and Android as a delivery platform. And, and, uh, and of course, our Xamarin uh, product does too. So uh, I don't know if Christian can elaborate a little bit on, on kind of how that works and how we target iOS and Android from Xamarin. Sure. So the, the core is obviously the C++ product. And uh, this object store that Tim mentioned is uh, a C++ sort of a shallow uh, compatibility layer on top of that, which we're using mostly. So um, what, what the Xamarin binding is, it looks like from, from a performance perspective and so on is very similar to what the, what the native bindings would look like. We basically go directly to C++ with a tiny little layer in between. So, um, right. And there's some stuff that we, we need to rely, I think, on, on, uh, on platform-specific code for. I mean, I think one example is encryption. If I, if I remember correctly, I'm sure there's a few things that kind of go and, and say, like, oh, what is available on iOS or what is available on Android? But, but for the most part, yeah, we try to go to C++ as quickly as possible. So that probably means then that you're doing some specific things uh, for C-sharp developers. Like, are you using things like Link and um, some of those awesome bits that we're used to in C-sharp? Yes. So the, 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 the sort of vision of Realm is that uh, all of the languages uh, or all of the bindings should be idiomatic. And that obviously applies to C-sharp as well. So you should feel really, really at home when you're writing Realm C-sharp code. And I think we're trying to achieve that by making it uh, like we're really going at this from a C-sharp perspective and trying to find the sweet spot of where we can make a nice product that feels really at home and feels really easy to use, but still makes you also feel comfortable if you have been using Realm for any of the other languages or if we just want to help people write something that uh, if you are, say, writing your iOS app uh, in Cocoa or Swift or something. Right. I mean, I would say actually, like the the aim sometimes can be a little bit different than that. It's definitely trying to be idiomatic first, trying to be rooted into like each community. So we want people that come to Realm Xamarin and feel like this was first and foremost Xamarin product that was designed for Xamarin by Xamarin developer, which is mostly true. It happens to use a lot of C++ code we already wrote, but we thought of it as a fresh product, which is partly why it took so much time to get it out there. Uh, and same thing, if you're a JavaScript developer and you come to our JavaScript product, you know, it must feel like, oh, that was always made for JavaScript and only made for JavaScript. So we try to do that. And then it's not so much that we try to impose whatever, um, you know, compatibility between like JavaScript and, and Xamarin if you want to switch, because I think very few people do. It's more like we have some beliefs about, you know, what's kind of a proper way to deal with uh, consistency, for example, in your application or to deal with um, uh, multi-threading. And we try to enable those patterns in every one of our products. And, and so you'll see some resemblance between, you know, our, our Swift product and our Xamarin product, et cetera. But they tend to be um, theoretical beliefs that we have, right, in, in kind of what's the easiest way for people to deal with those problems, the best way to deal with those problems, as opposed to us 
trying to like centralize some sort of a product vision. Um, we, we just happen to be somewhat opinionated about, you know, uh, <laughs> what's a good way to deal with, um, with the problem that mobile developers have to deal with uh, on a regular basis with data in their apps. So what does it look like to actually use Realm in your C-sharp code? Like, can you try and explain a, a little example of how you'd get started, you know, either making a connection and, and making a query and doing that kind of stuff? Right. Um, so as I said, you know, it's very, very simple, um, you know, and you're going to look at just uh, thinking about the way you would do things uh, from from just an in-memory, you know, C-sharp object perspective. So, you know, once you've kind of added, um, you know, uh, the package to, 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 like, we'll use NuGet and you just kind of, you know, declare that uh, very straightforward, in a very straightforward way. Once you've done that, all you really need to do is, is write, like, a quick model file. And so, you know, it's just your public class dog and you just inherit from a Realm object class. And then it looks pretty much like you would expect, you know, you, you, you set public fields, um, you know, there are uh, strings or ints or whatever, and, and you have getters and setters, and it's just pretty straightforward. Um, dealing with relationships, you know, between your databases is, is completely unlike what you would need to do if you were using SQL um, or SQLite. You know, so it's very much like the way you would do it in memory. So you just have a field that, let's say, for example, you have realm objects that are dogs and realm objects that are, that are people, like a person object. You say, my dog has a field of type person that is called owner. And, you know, and by setting that field to another uh, person object, you're going to set the owner of the dog. So it's super straightforward, and uh, you can query it pretty much the way you would expect after that. Um, so um, it's very, very simple. Most of the time, I think, it's deceptively simple. Um, we tend to get a lot of support questions, especially when we launch a new product, by, by people saying, for example, like, Realm is great, but how do I edit data? And we're like, what do you mean? It's like, well, I don't see like an edit function or I don't see like it would do this. And, and you just change a field. <laughs> That's all you have to do. There's nothing else you need to get done. And, and you know, most of the time, if you ask yourself how a realm does something, it's pretty much the same way you would do it if you were just an in-memory object. Okay. And you mentioned they're uh, inheriting from realm object. So is that is that kind of the only way to define your, your models? Like what, what exactly is going on in that base class? Yeah, this is... Yeah, this is something we get a few questions about, and that will uh, change for sure. It's um, This is the way you define a Realm class at the moment. So you have to inherit from a Realm object-based class. And it was actually a design decision that we did because if you can create your classes that inherit from each other, then suddenly we have to, we have to deal with covariance, which we didn't quite uh, get to yet. But we will do that. And then we will change it so that you either add an attribute to your class or maybe we will even go further and say you can just take a, a raw class and uh, and you will declare some way, maybe as assembly attribute to something that the, the following classes are realm classes that I want to be persisted. The thing is we rely on something called code weaving. Um, if you've heard of FODI, which is a, a runtime or a code a build time code generation tool. So we change your classes before they're actually live. So we change the code in there. So all properties that are automatic, we inject a little bit of code in there that uh, that uh, gets and sets the data from Realm. So, um, oh, yeah. interesting. That, that's really cool. I'm a, personally a big fan of Fodi. I didn't realize that you guys were using it. That's really cool. It's a very uh, cool So product. is there anything actually in the that base class then, or is it more of a marker? Uh, no, there, there's code in there because we just call functions on that to, to actually uh, get and set the values. But, uh, but that, could, those, that could easily be moved and we will do that when we need to. 
So we take this very iterative approach to development. You know, we we launched, uh, as I said, two years ago for for um, for Coco, and then you know a little bit less than two years ago for Java, and they only hit 1.0 like last week, literally. And so uh, you know we we kind of try to put something out there that's usable, that's fast, that's performant, and improve from it. So you know, the Xamarin. Uh, product just came out. Um, we already have uh, a few hundred people using it, which is kind of really, really nice. But we know we have a long way to go. A lot of features we want to add and optimization we want to make. And and Java, you know, um, had a very similar situation. You know, where where people didn't like to inherit from the Realm object class uh, for yeah. a number of very good reasons. And it took us about a year to get to it, but we, we did get to it, and we did remove that requirement and and jump through all the hoops that we had to do to to get there. And still offer you really great ease of use and really great performance. And so, uh, you know, uh, we, we hear like everybody and we, we definitely like we read all the GitHub comments. We, we spend a lot of our time just dealing with support and understanding that. And, and uh, it, it, you know, we, we, we do our best to fix them. But we do believe in giving people a solution first and foremost and something usable and, and making it better um, iteratively. Cool. And then on the querying side, you mentioned being able to just use link and um, like I've seen that you have a, a link provider. Um, like, are there any limitations in your link provider? And, and I'm also kind of wondering, like link has historically been a, a pretty tricky abstraction, uh, to put it one way, for databases and database access. So I'm wondering if there are any like gotchas to watch out for or ways to that you can easily write bad queries or in, you know, non-performant queries and that sort of thing. That is not so much of an issue. This It's mostly that uh, implementing a link provider is a big task because you basically have to support all of C-sharp. Like, there's a lot you need to do. And right now we've had uh, one user who's run into a problem that uh, if he was trying to access a property on some remote object in his query, that didn't work. So he had to create a local variable to store that value in before he could run the query. And those things are obviously annoying because you only get this information at runtime. But um, but that's just yeah. That's so. Those are things that we we will keep improving on, and uh, and there's a bit of that to be done still. But uh, but you don't have to have worries that if I write my query in this particular fashion, which you much more do in SQL, you can run into something that performs really poorly because uh, we don't really have those problems, at least not with what you can do yet. Yeah, so the, the link support is pretty limited, but you know, as we add more, uh, I think uh, uh, more more keywords and more kind of functionality to that, I think performance we expect it to kind of remain good because. Again, part of the thing that we do in terms of dealing with queries, like you know, first of all, we don't copy you know data into memory. The other thing that we don't do is um, is fetch everything when you do a large query, right? We we if you, let's say for example you, you do a query that returns like I don't know fifty percent of your database, um, you know that's not going to be all of a sudden like fetched into memory and 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 in there, um, you know, you, you, it's only going to get into memory as you access specific fields of the results. So um, there's no execution kind of problem in, in terms of like doing a very inefficient query or, or consuming a lot of memory. You don't really have to worry about optimizing things uh, a lot. You just have to worry about you know rendering it, which uh, is, a, is another set of issues. But allows us to do some really cool stuff like chaining queries, for example. It's very easy to think iteratively through your code and say, well, first, like, let me return all the dogs. Okay, now let me filter that to like only dogs that are over eight, and then let me get like all the owners of those dogs, and, and you can write that as separate lines of code and move through them. And it won't do like three different queries. It will just like run the query once. You know, once you actually try to access the fields um, of, of the, the smallest result set. So performance in general isn't a concern. We actually have a lot of people just doing like queries or write synchronously from the main thread. You know, it's usually not a concern with Realm uh, because um, yeah, everything is very tightly optimized.
So, so then you guys are also taking advantage of kind of that, that deferred execution sort of model of, of enumerables. Um, exactly. Yeah. That, that, you, that you'd be used to from, from link. So it's, it, is it until, is it basically when you do say like a, a two list or whatever the equivalent is for like a, a single or first or whatever that you would actually run that query? Um, well, no, it's the, the, well, running the query, that's, it's a bit hard to define, but yeah, the, that's the only time when the performance sensitive stuff takes place. Well, that's so yeah the cost is very low right well i guess yeah thinking about it a little more it sounds like you guys are just like under the hood you're handling all the you know lazy loading and all yeah. of that sort of yeah, stuff yeah. as a developer is there any way to kind of influence the you know what you're lazy loading and not lazy loading or is the idea basically just you know that's completely abstracted away and you're not supposed to worry about that that's the idea, yes. You're not supposed to worry about it. I mean, you can obviously, you can run two lists and you will get a copy uh, into a, a real list. And, and if you copy your values into uh, a, an, a string somewhere else or something, then you can, then you obviously have your data uh, eagerly loaded. But, uh, but you would have to do that. Yeah, we don't usually recommend it. You know, we, we try to, <laughs> to kind of keep people into... Um, you know, round works really best again as if you follow the pattern that we recommend, and, and one of them is to like avoid copying data out of round whenever possible. You know, because we 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 have a set of consistency and threading guarantees that make your life a lot easier if you can follow them. Um, although there's always kind of extreme use cases that require like a hard copy or and either things you know uh, uh, any other things like that 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 are that are fine in, in limited amount. But it's really not again an ORM pattern, not a traditional database pattern. You're not really supposed to kind of fetch that copy and then do stuff with it and then write them separately. You know, if you keep your data just as round object, the nice thing is that you can look at a query and then you know just start modifying the query results right there, and that will modify the underlying object. And, and you won't have to like think about a separate transaction and fetching the record again or, or doing any number of like hoops. If you have an object and it's a realm object, you can you know read it, modify it, you can do whatever it wants, and, and it will be done in a very kind of consistent and, and thread safe kind of way. Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by Raygun. Raygun is an essential tool for every developer, helping you detect and diagnose your errors in real time so your team can fix bugs faster. Just a few lines of code is all it takes to get started, and you'll be amazed how quickly you start receiving reports from all of your apps. Why wait for frustrated users to notify you when they hit a bug, and then spend your time digging through log files? Raygun notifies you immediately and with all the information you need. Raygun keeps everyone informed, so whether you have one or 100 developers, you'll get everything you need to become an awesome development team. Start your free trial today at raygun.io, and make sure to thank them for sponsoring Gone Mobile. Okay, and you actually kind of touched on one of the other things I, I definitely wanted to dig into a little bit, which is um, you know transactions and asynchrony and, and how all that stuff plays together. So, I mean, what support is there in Realm for, say, transactions where you want to do, you know, a whole bunch of atomic interactions and rollback and that sort of thing. Is that supported? So in, in general, yeah. I mean, we, we, we kind of require the user transactions. Uh, so there's no way to do a write outside of a transaction. So, you know, you must do a transaction for Realm. And um, that's part of our kind of uh, our trade-offs. That's part of, like, the, the, the pattern that we try to follow. And so to give you the consistency and the trust safety that we think most people want, um, we all, all writes must be done in a, in a transaction and the writes block each other. Nothing else blocks. You can read while the write is happening and you can do multiple reads together. It's all the stuff, but you can't do two writes together. And that allows us to have a nice kind of linear history um, on, on the database. Um, 
The transaction, uh, I believe, can be rolled back. Um, you know, it's possible in all the other bindings. I, sometimes you know, I'm, I'm surprised by what we're missing in Xamarin, but I think we have that in Xamarin. So if you're, for example, like processing the results of a form, you can say, you know, oh, okay, start writing this, writing this, and then you realize something doesn't meet your condition. You can say, okay, roll back that transaction. Let's cancel that transaction because it's not going to happen. So that's kind of really straightforward. And, um, and yeah, that's kind of the basics of, of using transaction realm. It's really straightforward. Just you, you just open a block and you do all your, your property modifications in that block and you just cancel the transaction if, if you want to cancel it. So finally, is always a good place to do asynchronous uh, type operations. Does realm take advantage of this? And what does the C sharp API look like for that? Like, are we able to use uh, async and await and that kind of code? Um, you will be. The, the, we're working really hard on designing this properly. Um, one of the design uh, features of Realm is that uh, you cannot pass an object from one thread to another. You have to create a separate uh, Realm on this thread and then get the object either by a query or by, uh, by the object ID. And that may sound like it's really expensive. It's, uh, if you think of spinning up an entire new Oracle database, that would sound really costly. But it's, it's nothing like that. It's actually very cheap, but it, it does enforce some design decisions on you. And um, how we're going to make this work with async is something we're still working on. So um, that is, uh, that's still in the pipeline to come. Yeah. But it's mostly, I think, you know, an, an API kind of, kind of issue. Uh, you know, we, we have this now in Objective-C and Swift and Java and JavaScript. You know, we have async APIs for all of those. I think what ends up really, really tricky for us is that another key design pattern we have is, is um, the use of notification and letting people kind of really... Uh, be able to, to subscribe to any changes on a result set or any changes on an array or any changes on really anything you want and, and being able to act on that. And so all that dovetails into um, or async API, you know, is, is sometimes really hard to do and, and has to be, again, done on a per language basis to feel really idiomatic and follow other patterns. So um, we felt comfortable in pushing Xamarin without the async API because, again, performance is so good and, and historically, on Objective-C, on Swift, on, on Java, on JavaScript even, uh, we've attracted tons of very large users that were perfectly fine doing synchronous I.O. because Realm was really, really fast. Uh, but we do understand that some people are not comfortable doing that and for good reason, or, or some people just cannot do that because they have very complex queries or very heavy writes. And so for those, we'll, we'll look forward to shipping an async API very, very soon. But uh, it's less of a deal breaker than you'd think. Um, you know, it's, it's been kind of surprising again over the past few years to see how many people are comfortable and justifiably comfortable with doing synchronous I.O. Um, if the database is reasonably fast. And it occurs to me that this is probably something that would have been better to cover at the, the top of the show, but we've kind of used the word realm itself um, in passing a couple times, and, and it sounds like that's roughly analogous to like what you would consider a database on, on other platforms. Is that right? Or like, would you have multiple realms within an application? Like, What does the design end up looking like there? So there's multiple ways to think about a realm. You know, a, a realm is really kind of... Uh, it, it's, Thinking of a database, thinking of it as a database is pretty correct. But uh, another way to think about it is just to kind of uh, think of it as an instance of a database or a portal into you know whatever wherever your data is. So one of the reasons why we picked the name Realm with this idea of like oh it's like a force dimension. You just tap into your data from wherever you are, and and that can include kind of two different threads. So you can have a Realm instance that targets the same data as another Realm instance in the same thread, and they will see both of them. They will see a consistent version of the data for their own thread, and they will guarantee anybody in that thread will see a consistent 
consistent version of the data, but they might see a slightly different version of it on different threads. Um, and that allows you know, us to give people, I think, a, a consistency model that makes sense for, for most use cases and most applications. Uh, but you can also have multiple realm files. So you know, all, every realm instance, every portal is backed by a file, you know, and so you can have multiple instances looking at the same file, but you can also have multiple files. Um, and so, for example, people have a realm for configuration settings, and then they have a realm for main data, and then they have a read-only realm that's packaged with their binary you know, on the app store that contains some data set that every app needs to have. Uh, there's any number of ways you can use this, but um, yeah, short version is, Realm is pretty much a database, but you know we, we try to kind of toy with the concept a little bit to give you, um, uh, you know, a, a better consistency model. Okay, that, that's interesting. Then, so you mentioned um, that that a realm kind of maps to a, a single file, which which reminds me kind of of the 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 way that SQLite works, where you basically have a, a single database file. Like, is this um, is this like a file that you'd actually be able to read or open up in, in some sort of database reader, or is it uh, you know a binary file? Yeah, so uh, as we mentioned, it's uh, this is where it's interesting. So we're an object database, but we don't serialize native objects to 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 you know native C sharp object to disk and just like call it a day. Uh, this is stored in that you know kind of um, row column like independent format um, that can be opened by really any other language. So if you take a realm file and try to open it from like Swift concurrently, for example, like that should work uh, from from your Xamarin code even. Um, if you wanted to open it from a different process in Java, you know, like that would work at the same time. You could have a Java process uh, read and write to the same file at the same time. Your .NET process is, is looking at it. Um, and you can get the file out of the phone and open it. We have a Realm browser application that's only available for Mac right now, and we're looking to add that to Windows and Linux. Um, that lets you kind of inspect the file and, and, and look at the internals. Um, and so that's something we ship um, kind of for free along with, with the database. But just to be clear, it's it's a binary format and it's uh, heavily packed and optimized, so it's not it's not easy to look at uh, manually. So then I'm also kind of wondering what, um, like, so obviously you, you know you create your your realm objects, you create your relationships, and you know as an app evolves, your your models are going to evolve, and your you know relationships and all that are going to evolve. So like, how is that um, as a developer? How would I handle? Uh, you know, my data model kind of changing over time uh, with Realm? Uh, you will migrate them. So um, this, is a, this is an API we're working on as well because uh, we figured that we could launch without it, but, uh, but this is going to be a requirement really soon. Um, so the other bindings have migration APIs and we will be adding one to, to C Sharp as well because obviously you need to know how am I going to adapt my data when, uh, when the model changes and uh, yeah, that's a very important part of it. Yeah, so that's pretty straightforward, and you can look at the way it's done in, in Java or um, in Objective-C or Swift to get an example of it. But uh, we do a pretty good job of picking up changes that we can infer automatically and then uh, just asking you to declare that you acknowledge that, that you're incrementing the version, right, and, uh, and that you're moving on. Um, and there's just a very few kind of best practices to follow to make sure you can have a linear history of your data model and, and you're always able to upgrade data models. Uh, but it's it's really, really straightforward and breezy. So we're going to add that pretty soon to Xamarin as well to make sure that people have a good time and don't need to do kind of manual transformation. Right now, you, you would need to basically like copy data in and out yourself to kind of move, move it to a different realm uh, format, a realm schema format. Um, it's not impossible, but it's obviously not great, and uh, a migration API will make things uh, a lot easier. Okay, so that, that sounds... That sounds pretty similar to say like traditional like even SQL migration systems where you'll have well you end up with kind of version numbers and you just 
increment the version number and write effectively a, a migration script to go from, say, one to two, two to three? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the most migrations just say, like, okay, acknowledge I'm moving to, to version two. And, and so Realm will obviously say, like, oh, like, he's adding a column because the model definition, you know, in the code has changed, and I don't see that on disk. So I'm going to add this new column name on disk. And then, oh, this column disappeared, so I guess I should remove it. You know, like, we'll just kind of infer stuff. So that doesn't cover all the cases. Uh, Sometimes you need to, say, combine, like, two fields into one field. So it's, it's, it's good to, like, have, for example, like, a method to, say, combine your first name field and your last name field into a new full name field and, and have a, a, an easy place to run that in code where you don't have to worry about whether people are already accessing your database and what else may be happening at the same time. So a safe place to do those transitions, I think, is, is uh, important. That's why we want to have a migration API. But um, it's really straightforward, and, and we, you know, unless Christian has some good ideas, I think we're going to use the same pattern we're using on Cocoa and Java. And, and if people are interested, you know, to see what kind of we're, we're working on there, they can look at those documentation to see what we'll, we'll be uh, offering very soon. So is it also possible to go backwards, like to migrate backwards? I don't know if that's a common mobile scenario, but, um, you know, Android users installing different versions of the apps and stuff, I could see that happening. Right. So uh, version formats must always increment. Um, so that's kind of a, just a basic rule of it. Um, there's, and I don't know what, what status is there for Xamarin, but we also have a dynamic API you can use, which is much more lenient. Um, and will just kind of allow you to, to access whatever without a, a fixed schema expectation. Um, actually, to make things more complicated, it's actually the dynamic API is what we use to power migrations. <laughs> so it's kind of like you can access that directly if you want. Um, so there's many ways to kind of scan that. I don't think we target kind of rolling back explicitly. Um, uh, although we have some modes that we're working on, and I don't know how much of it are like really public or recommended, that kind of allows you to, um, if you have an old version of the, the model definition, uh, you can see the part of the file that overlaps with your model definition. Um, so there's many different things we could do there to kind of uh, allow old or multiple different versions of the app to see the same, to access the same file even if they're on different schemas. Most of the time we recommend that people upgrade and I think the basic uh, implicit assumption that we make in migration all the time is that the first thing you should do when you open a realm is migrate it to the latest possible version. And, and that's kind of what we would recommend people do and not roll back. I'm just imagining a scenario where one of my users um, decides that they don't like the new version of my app. Their data has already been upgraded. And so they, on Android, go in and install the, the previous version. And all of a sudden, their data is all messed up. There would be a version mismatch. Yeah. It's definitely yeah, uh, like it's it's a scenario you can't imagine. It's not. Uh, I don't think that I I definitely haven't heard of us having received that request at all. So uh, so so far it hasn't been a problem. But right, most of the time what happens is that people that ship apps ship data with their apps will tend to ship that data in the format that the the app version expects. So that's solved. And then most of the other data, to be honest, is um, regenerated on demand based on like a cloud backup. So you know, there's very few things where the app depends on historical data that's stored you know, across multiple app releases. You know, a lot of the time they'll be like, hey, if I can't read that format, let me just get the user's profile from, you know, from a JSON REST API and then write that down to realm file in whatever right. format right. my database assumes. So that's a safe pattern to use in most cases. Again, we have a lot of really, really large users, um, you know, like Twitter Vine, Starbucks uses us, like people that have tens or hundreds of millions of, 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 uh, of users, and I don't think we've ever been asked to add this kind of feature to allow rollback of applications. So uh, who knows? You knock on wood, maybe that's going to be coming up <laughs> soon, but so far, so good. 
So I wanted to back up a, a little ways back anyway. Um, very early on, you mentioned something about encryption. Uh, can you elaborate on the encryption support in Realm? Sure, yeah. So encryption's built in. Um, you know, we kind of feel like that's something that you need to have, right? Your data should be encrypted. So we work really hard to kind of bake that into our API. We don't implement our own crypto, just to be clear. No, we just have a simple hook that allows you to, instead of opening or writing a round file, that, that does so in, a, in an encrypted way. So we use uh, AS-256, and we just piggyback on um, crypto that's embedded in um, Android or in iOS. Um, and um, yeah, so that we just use standard OpenSSL stuff. I do believe that for Android, due to security concerns, um, we now embed our own OpenSSL. But again, that's just a, a regular vanilla OpenSSL. Um, it's not you know, uh, some modified version or our own implementation of AS-256. Um, we just have to, to embed our own OpenSSL sometimes because some phone carriers in some countries have um, their own, they roll out their own crypto. Uh, they ship their handsets with kind of a very heavily modified version of OpenSSL, and that leads to very bad things for users um, and for us by extension. And so uh, we 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 kind of go through extra steps, but I think it's only on Android because you know we can trust the version of OpenSSL that's available on iOS handsets. And and me being me, I always have to be the guy that kind of brings up uh, you know or questions around what it's like to test apps that are written in with Realm. So I'm kind of wondering what the, the testing story is like and, and kind of specifically just to throw an example out of, of one of something that, that I tend to do in a lot of my apps that are using SQLite since SQLite's available basically on every platform, including, you know, like Windows where our build agents run. So we're able to, act, and it's just a single file. Like we have a lot of tests where it'll create a new SQLite database as part of setting up the test It'll run an really an integration test against the date, the repository or whatever, whatever the class or services, um, and then verify that that things kind of persisted and stored correctly. Like, and I'm wondering if now that you guys are, you know, you're basically targeting all these platforms. Um, you said that you're not, you're obviously mobile focused, but if you're writing these things in potentially like C++ and C Sharp, I'm wondering if there's um, any possibility of being able to do a similar sort of thing with uh, with a Realm. Oh, sorry, I didn't catch that. Any, I do something similar to running the test on multiple platforms, or yeah, like uh, any ability to say, um, like, say you had a unit test or an integration test that actually could write, say, like on Windows or Mac, wherever a build agent might be running, be able to run. Sure. So we support like a fair amount of yeah, that on, okay. on on Java, for example. So we give people like x86 binaries, even though they're not like that many like x86 Android handsets running around that people actually use. Um, and and we always try to kind of support you know whatever testing scenarios people want to test. Um, I don't think for Xamarin we have support for anything except Xamarin iOS and Xamarin Android yet. Right? Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, but so as part of our effort to kind of let people develop apps the way they want to develop them, I think it's it's likely that we will add support for more architectures to let you kind of run the tests you want uh, the way you want to run them. I think you know, uh, even though it, it may not be our intent to support like general desktop app development or service side app development in .NET, um, you know, anything that helps people build better mobile apps is something that that will uh, will assist. Yeah. So if you run your tests on Xamarin Test Cloud, you should be fine. Uh, as long as it's integration test, at least. But uh, but yeah. So, do you have any plans to offer any kind of server side synchronization? I know that's sort of a whole other topic on its own, but that seems to be a trend now, more and more in mobile. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an interesting topic um, and and one that I think a lot of people have requested. For now, we're really focused on just being uh, a great on-device database. We think there's a lot of need for that and, and uh, a lot of value. And, and again, you know, we wouldn't have like 100,000 active developers and a billion people using Realm if that wasn't the case. And we still feel like there's a lot of work ahead for us. Um, Sync is interesting. You know, um, it's definitely something that's hard to do well. And uh, I mean, we have a lot of respect for like what Azure is trying to do and what Firebase is trying to do. But I kind of, it kind of feels like it's very, um, it's very much like a first generation type of thing where people are like trying to figure out how to do like uh, exchange data uh, over JSON and, and kind of figure out how that works. Um, and uh, you know, it's great. You know, if you use Realm, you could use those services, and there many people kind of building integration with the services, or you can just do it manually. You can also like synchronize data with your own REST API, and, and it's not going to be you know uh, you know harder than than using uh, uh, SQLite. If you're using SQLite, you know, it's going to be pretty much the same. So right now, I think the sync picture is about the same as if you're using um, SQLite or anything else you like. Uh, in the future, you know, we'll probably do something about it just because people keep asking us to do something about it. Uh, but, you know, for now, we're really kind of uh, focused on building the best kind of on-device database we can. Yeah, data synchronization gets complicated real fast, but it, it's something that most apps need in some capacity. Right, but it's really hard to capitalize on it and, and just kind of do a general solution for it. Uh, you know, um, I was involved in, in a lot of, like, server-side database stuff before, and... Uh, yeah, the expectations are really hard to meet when you're online, and when you're like offline most of the time, like like mobile phones are, you know, uh, it's even harder. And so I think doing synchronization that that works well for mobile is a very very difficult problem that we have a lot of respect for. And so uh, for now, we're we're trying to like pick our battles and focus on on the mobile database battle. At some point, we'll look at sync, and uh, we hope that you know we'll have something that uh, makes people happy. Fair enough. Um, and one thing I have to ask about too, like I, I noticed kind of looking at the Realm site that you make mention of uh, supporting a unidirectional data flow and that, that sort of thing. Like what about Realm makes it so suitable for that approach? And is there anything that Realm is doing um, like specifically around that or is it just um, it happens to be a good fit? Right. So we're a big fan of like reactive development, not specifically functional reactive programming, but more like reactive programming. Uh, so the idea of like uh, you know, being able to react on everything from notifications and, and handle your state kind of in a very incremental kind of way. Um, you know, we, we really, really believe in that. And we like kind of unidirectional data flows. Uh, there's a lot of things about that that, that purists will, will say we're missing, and they're probably correct. Like, you know, we, we can't really give you, um, I'm blanking on the name, um, uh, immutable structures, sorry, that's what I was looking at. Uh, but, you know, if you want to, um, you know, um, have a notification system where the data only flows downwards, you know, you can use um, or APIs for, for Swift, for Objective-C, for Java, for JavaScript to support those kind of flows. And it's coming for Xamarin very, very soon. I feel like you're probably getting tired of that answer. But notifications, it's like, as I said, it goes with async and we'll have a really nice kind of notification system that really allows you to, 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 uh, to build applications with unidirectional data flow if you want. We are looking at adding immutability. Um, that would actually be a really nice solution for uh, letting people pass object across threads as opposed to following our current pattern, which is to, to have strong, uh, strong thread isolation. Um, but, but that's probably some, some, uh, some ways away in terms of adding that feature. But um, yeah, most reactive patterns, again, not functional reactive, but most reactive patterns, you can already implement them with Realm, and, and we're, we're always interested in adding support for more. 
Cool. Yeah, React and reactive are, are pretty overloaded terms that mean a whole bunch of different things to different people these days. But that's it's definitely a pattern that we like I the really simple like. kind. You know, we like the kind where you don't have to have a PhD in uh, in semantics to kind of understand uh, uh, what method to call and how to combine streams and stuff like that. Um, all the time, it feels like dangerous science to me. Like it feels like Ghostbusters, and it's just like don't cross the streams. But um, other than that, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. So we like we like the simple kind of reactive, and we have a few tutorials on our website if people want to check out what we mean by that and. Uh, very concrete example. It's always hard to uh, to explain in a podcast. Yeah, yeah, you start to border on things that are that are hard to, to describe, but easy to to see in a code sample. Um, but also, like really quickly, speaking of, of terms that get overloaded pretty fast, like you mentioned notifications a couple times, and I'm and I'm wondering if you can kind of elaborate on what notifications mean in the context of uh, realms here. Yeah, so in general, the concept for Realm, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go into detail of what it means for Xamarin, but it means kind of being able to uh, get an event for anything that changes. Um, so you can subscribe to a single property, you can subscribe to any changes on the object, you can subscribe to any change into an area of objects or any change to the results of a query or even any change on the Realm overall and in, anywhere in your file and decide that when this change happened, you know, that, that you want to get a notification so you can act on it. And so that's kind of the general system that we want to provide and, and put in place um, in all of our products. It's one of the patterns that we really believe in uh, that enables uh, application development. And so the specific way that um, is going to you know, look like in, in Xamarin, I think you know, Christian can, can explain that a little bit more. Yeah, so as we're weaving already, uh, if you know Fody, you probably know that it has a very nice weaver that automatically adds uh, I notify property changed uh, events to any object that you'd like. And uh, we have a PR sitting right now actually being, uh, being evaluated uh, for adding this automatically. So if you implement the I notify property changed uh, interface in your Realm object, then uh, we will automatically raise this event whenever a property changes. Um, and on queries and lists as well, uh, we will we will update that as uh, it goes, and we will probably be raising I notify collection changed. Um, but we're also looking at how we can support I observable and uh, I observer as well. So uh, we don't want to put too many interfaces and too many classes uh, into the the same thing because it's going to be really heavy. So we'll try and see how much we can get uh, via extension methods and maybe even different assemblies that you can plug in so you don't have to have this monstrosity of a thing that will support uh, 10 different frameworks and libraries uh, if you don't want to use it. Well, this all sounds uh, pretty good, but I know that as a developer, I still have to uh, put food on my table. So uh, do you guys have any plans of, of charging for Realm in the future? Or what's, what's the strategy here? What are developers looking at long term? Sure. I mean, long term. So, you know, uh, as I mentioned, all of our high level code, you know, for .NET, for JavaScript, for, for Objective-C, for Swift, for Java, it's, it's open source on GitHub. It's Apache 2. Um, we're committed to not only letting that be Apache 2, but growing it and adding more features and, and keeping around like, as a great open source project um, in that sense. The underlying uh, code um, in C++ is currently closed source, although we, we have vowed to open source it. Um, the problem we have is uh, that the open sourcing stuff actually takes work. It's not just you know throwing a baby out and saying like cool now it's out there. 
uh, we want to make sure that it's in a clean place where people can contribute and we can support it elegantly. And so uh, we look forward to open sourcing it at Apache 2 very soon as well. So we don't plan on making money by charging developers. Um, you know, we make money by charging enterprises, by uh, charging large customers that need additional uh, support, additional services, or additional products, um, you know, including like some server-side support, for example. And uh, we think that's a good business. Um, so that, that's kind of the, the revenue angle for us. We, we don't expect to charge developers. Wow, that sounds pretty great. Uh, so, so what's the next big thing for Realm? Uh, so we just shipped 1.0 for Java, Objective-C, and Swift, um, and, and I think we're really looking forward to getting uh, Realm Xamarin and, and also Realm JavaScript and the others uh, to 1.0 soon. Um, we have a lot of features, like Christian mentioned, you know, about notifications. Add those pretty quickly. Although, judging by the velocity of the team, I'd be surprised if, if that wasn't kind of all live in, in a matter of uh, a few weeks. And um, you know, that's kind of what we want to ramp up on: is just make sure that we give people the best possible library. That there should be no excuse for you not not to use Realm. And I, I know right now there's probably is plenty, right? There's a lot of features we're missing, and uh, a lot of different things that people uh, might not like. And uh, just a lack of a track record in general. I mean, SQL has been out there for, for, for like 15 years, 16 years. And so it's obviously more battle-tested, more stable, and, and, and we want to be there and, and, and get there very quickly. And so uh, we're, we're kind of going to be focusing on um, doing whatever makes people happy and, and building Realm Xamarin into the best possible um, you know, data layer, best possible model layer for, for Xamarin apps to the point where you know, we hope one day that all Xamarin apps use it. Um, and we know we have a long, you know, uh, road ahead of us to do that. But that's what the team, but that's what the team is focused on at this point. So speak awesome. up on GitHub. You know, like let us know what you don't yeah. like. We're on GitHub, we're on Stack Overflow, we're on Twitter, and and uh, you know, no no question is too small, no no request is too too stupid. Feel free to just like uh, chime in, and and we want to know from the community what it is that that we need to add. Nice. So that that was a lot of stuff. Um, did we, you know, before we kind of close out here, is there anything that um, that you want to make sure that, that our listeners know, um, or do we, you know, do we miss anything? Um, no, I mean, I always encourage people to give it a try. I, I know there's this natural kind of very uh, healthy, uh, you know, doubt of new technologies and new libraries. And, uh, you know, as, as I said, we're very straightforward with people in that, you know, if SQL is working for you, there's no pressure from us to, to change it. Uh, we're very clear that there's some feature that we're missing and we're looking forward to adding. But um, as I said, you know, over 100,000 uh, active developers use us, um, you know, lots of really large applications. It is well, well tested, well used, you know, and, and it is something that honestly we encourage everybody to try so they can, you know, help us build a better product. Um, and, and we want to be kind of very committed as a group of developers, as a company, to really actively supporting and expanding this um, as opposed to like, having people rely on like an open source alternative. So, you know, in, in a way, it's kind of like the Xamarin Inc. model. You know, we want a strong company that's actively making the platform better every day so that people can build apps on, on a reliable ground as opposed to a bunch of uh, open source cobbled together, which, you know, we love open source, but, you know, uh, we know sometimes you need something a bit more reliable and organized and supported than that. So that's what we try to do, and we can only do it if people use it and file feedback and, and uh we think you're going to have a great time, but if you don't have a great time with Realm, um, we'll be there to help you. And so uh, let us know Let us know what you find. I think that's, that's the one message I, I would like to, uh, to give everybody. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks so much for, for taking all this time out of your day to, to chat. No, thank you, guys. We, we went pretty long, but really appreciate yeah, the opportunity. Our pleasure. Um, 
All right. And thanks everyone for listening. And we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile.